Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the Venture Church Podcast. Venture is a life-giving church located in Bluffton, South Carolina, led by Pastor Sean Olson. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Now, let's dive into the word with Pastor Sean and his message for this week. Welcome to Venture Church. If you come here regularly and you call Venture Church your home and you're used to worshiping with us, there's two things you're already thinking. First is, what is wrong with the guy on stage? Welcome, guys. How are you? If you're new, you're going, what, what's the problem? Well, uh, normally, I wear skinny jeans and sneakers. In fact, I saw one of my friends come in with a nice pair of kicks. I was like, man, I'd, I'd like to have those on. Uh, welcome, though. We're glad you're here. I thought I'd spiff you up for you guys, give you a real pastor once, all right? So here you go. Uh, it is Easter. Come on, y'all. The grave is empty. And as much as I love this day, sometimes I hate that we confine it to a day. We make Easter a single day celebration, but really, it's a love story. You see, yesterday the grave was still empty and I still had freedom. Sometime in July, when it's hot around here and we all sweating, I'll still have my freedom and the grave will still be empty. But what we we have a tendency to do is shrink the world's greatest love story, package it nicely in a box, and give it one day on the calendar. That's Easter. We'll do it that day. We'll tell the story. We'll celebrate the event. It'll all happen on this one day on the calendar. The problem is anything you can find to a day, its power rests in one day, but this power cannot be contained to a day on the calendar. The love, the authority of this day cannot be confined to a 24-hour period. It's a love story, and it should be told as a love story. It shouldn't be celebrated as, as an event separating spring and summer where all of a sudden you get to wear your nice Easter colors and your white shoes should you choose to. Keeping them clean is hard, y'all. Right? It, it, it's, it, it should not be confined to that. It's a love story. So this morning, while the other thing you might know about me is I count it a great honor, privilege, and, and have a blast preaching the gospel. It's my favorite thing to do in life. This morning, I'm going to tell you a story of a father and a son. You see, I have two boys. In fact, if you're a, a first or second time guest and you don't know me, my name's Sean Olson. I get to be the pastor here. I have an amazing wife who's way better than I deserve. Come on, somebody. Y'all don't know about that lady. I don't stand on this stage if she ain't around. I probably fall right through it. Uh, and I have two incredible sons, seven and 10. Raising sons is fun. Y'all should pray for me or maybe pray for them for me to have some patience. Come on, y'all, raising some kids. I, I feel you. It's hard work. My house is a constant Nerf war zone. Like, there's Nerf darts everywhere. We had a family friend give them a, a tub like this big full of Nerf darts, like 17 million of them, I'm pretty sure. That may be a slight exaggeration, but I'm pretty sure that's it. I was showering this week. I found a Nerf dart in the shower. I mean, come on, man. In the shower? 
My kids are crazy. They're, they, they love the water. They've already been in the river and, and, and in the community pool, though it's freezing. They're like, is the pool open? Yes, it's 47 degrees, son. That's okay, I want to go. And they'd run from the community pool into the shower just to ward off hypothermia. I'm pretty sure the lips were blue and the shivering and all of that. But at the end of the day, as crazy as they are, as much as it frustrates me stepping on Legos, can I get an amen, y'all? We're in church. Mm. Mm. Right? As much as there's something special and unique about being a dad. And someone's here going, it's not Father's Day, man. No, but this story is a father and a son. So I want you to imagine, and I want you to take note, I use the word imagine. I want you to imagine a conversation. Now, I'm going to be honest, the conversation in which we're going to imagine didn't take place, but the stories in the scriptures are 100% fact. So just close your eyes for a moment and imagine God in his throne room. There God the Father is in his throne room. Now I want to pause. Whatever you're imagining, it's not big enough. We cannot comprehend the glory of God. So whatever's in your mind right now that you comprehend the throne room of God, it's too small. Expand it a lot. Now open your eyes and let's imagine this conversation coming to be. God the Father sitting at his dinner table. Of course there's dinner table in heaven. We're going to eat, y'all. Food is important, Right? If y'all don't like, sorry, food's important. He's sitting at his dinner table, and he calls Jesus, his son, in. Remember, the story is a father and a son. Jesus, come in. It's time for dinner. Jesus comes bouncing in. Hey, Dad, what's going on? And God's like, son, how was your day? Jesus looks back at his dad. Man, my day was great, Dad. I've been out playing football. Of course it's football. It's his favorite sport. We know that. I've been out playing football. It's all right, guys. We're real people. We, we're going to have a good time today. I, I've, been, I've been out playing football in the big, big yard over there, Dad. You church folk, y'all got that. All right. I've been running all through the heavens declaring your glory. It's been a wonderful day, Dad. Oh, that's great, son. God leans in and he looks at his son right in the eyes. He goes, son, I have a special job for you. Jesus' eyes get real big. Now, I don't know about you, but if I say special job in my house, it's one of two things. Really, really bad like laundry or really, really good like ice cream. There's no in between. And, and, and Jesus' eyes get real big like, a special job for me? Yes, son, for you. Anything for you, dad, I'll do it. Son, I haven't even told you what it is yet. But it's special. It's more special than the moment we formed the earth and spoke life into humanity. This job is only for you. All right, dad, let's do it. No, no, son. This job is special for you. Jesus sits back. For me? Yes, son, just for you. He jumps to his feet. He goes, all right, dad, I'll do it. Son, calm down. There's some things I need to tell you before you, before you take this job. See, you know we love our people. Oh, dad, I know they're the best. But son, they've, they've made some mistakes and some messes, and it caused us to be separated. And I want so bad just to restore 
the relationship we had with them. I so bad want to restore this thing to what it was always intended to be, son. Oh, dad, that'd be great. Well, son, the problem is the only way I see fit that we can do this would be a sacrifice. And that sacrifice would have to be perfect. And son, I've searched and you know and I know there's no perfect man that exists. So that leaves me with one option, son. And that option is you. Jesus leans back, taking in a deep breath, thinking about that which has been asked of him. You see, son, this special job is to be the sacrifice for the redemption of humanity. He sighs, looking at his dad in the eyes. His dad, I'll do it because we love him. I'll do it. Well, son, there's some things I need to tell you about this special job. You see, first, you're going to have to go to earth. You're going to have to be a man. I've, I've picked you out a great mom. Her name's Mary. She's a wonderful mom. You're going to have to go into her womb for nine months, and I see Jesus going, whoa, time out, time out, Dad. You mean like in the womb? Like in the nine months in, in the womb? God's like, yes. Jesus looks back and goes, now bear with me, Dad. Could we just do the stork thing one time? I mean, just one time, Dad. And God says, no, it's important that you're born of human nature. It's important that you have an earthly mom so you are all man. But I will be your father, so you will simultaneously be all God and all man, making you the perfect sacrifice. But I've also picked you out an earthly father. His name's Joseph. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front, Joseph's a great guy. He's a carpenter, good father, but he won't get nearly the accolades that Mary will get. Mary will get the statue. She'll get the praise. I mean, she's the mom of Jesus, right? But Joseph's a good guy. Joseph's a good guy. He will teach you how to be a carpenter. You'll learn the trade. When Joseph asks you to eat your broccoli, son, you're going to be tempted to use our power to make the broccoli taste like chocolate. Just eat the broccoli. When your parents draw you a bath, you'll be tempted to part the water and rest your cheeks on dry tub. Just take the bath. <laughs> Clean the cheeks. Clean them. Son, going to be honest, most of the kids at school are probably going to hate you because you're perfect. When you go swimming with your, with your friends, remember, don't walk on the water. you got to swim in the water. If you walk on the water, they're going to look at you funny, son. Don't do it. There will come a day, however, to display our power. You'll perform many miracles, son. Now, Jesus, I can see him like, all right, Dad, now talk to me. Talk to me about the cool stuff we're going to do. And God the Father leans into his son. He goes, all right, the first miracle you're going to do, you're going to be at a wedding. Jesus is like, all right. You're going to turn water into wine. And I can see Jesus. He sits back in his chair, and he's looking at his dad. He's kind of scratching his head. He's like, no, I don't want to question dad. I don't want to question the father. But dad, I got to ask. I just don't understand the significance, the water into wine. 
I don't see the relevance. And, and God the Father leans in and he smiles at Jesus and he gives him a little wink. He goes, they're gonna argue for generations about whether or not it was fermented. We'll just mess with them. We'll never tell though. But there will come a point when you will display our power with purpose. In those moments, here's what I want you to do, son. This is important. You will go after those that have been kicked out, abandoned, and forgotten. You will find the lepers. They've been removed from the city because they're unclean. Not only do I want you to find them, I want you to see them, look them in the eye, and I want you to touch them, son, because we aren't afraid of that which plagues them. It's not just an example of our power. It's an instant of our love, which isn't what we do, son. It's, it's who we are. That's what this is all about. Jesus looks, he goes, all right, dad. They'll bring a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. They'll throw her at your feet, expecting you to condemn her and trying to trap you. The first thing I want you to do, son, is I want you to kneel down. And everybody's going to talk about for generations what you may or may not have written in the sand. But what I want you to do is I want you to be on her level and look her in the eye. Because in people's worst, we pursue them. We see them. We know them. And we love them. Then, yeah, I want, you to, I want you to write in the sand and people will get caught up in that. But then what I want you to do is I want you to stand up and I want you to look at all those that are accusing her. And I want you to ask them, anybody, anyone here that hasn't made a mistake, you go ahead and you throw the first stone and condemn her to death. And then you stand next to her in her worst moment while she is sobbing. There knelt on the ground. You stand next to her and you watch her accusers go one after another. They walk away because you're standing next to her. At the end, when all of her accusers have left, you'll again get down on her level and lift her up because, son, we lift people out of their tragedy. We lift people out of their moments of weakness. And you'll look her in the eye, and she will be expecting you to condemn her. But we didn't come to condemn the world. We came to save the world. We came to seek and save that which was lost, son. So I need you in that moment to restore that lady, to restore that woman, to set the expectation that we are love. You will send her away and say, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. You'll be walking through crowded streets, son, people pressing in all against you. There will be a woman who's been suffering for, for two years with this issue of blood, and she'll reach out and she'll grab a hold of your garment. You will choose to heal her because we see people in their suffering. She will try to, she'll try to scale back into the crowd and not be noticed, but son, this is important. I want you to find her because shame draws people away from us, but we draw all men unto us, so I need you to go and find her in the midst of the crowd, and I need you to see her in her suffering, and more than heal her physically, I need you to restore her soul and speak to her faith. Because even in the midst of the darkest suffering that people will experience, we will find them, we will pursue them, we will look into their eyes, we will look into their heart, and we will restore their soul, son. I need you to do this, do you understand? Jesus says, yes, dad, I get it. He's starting to get excited because he's going to be able to display the power of God on earth. He goes, Dad, this is great. I'm ready to go. Send me. 
God the Father looks at him and goes, son, now hold on. There's more. I need to tell you. It won't all be fun, power, and miracles. There will be heartache and disappointment. You'll have friends, for instance. Peter. I love Peter. By the way, son, Peter's going to cut a guy's ear off. I'm going to need you to fix that. Put the ear back on, please. All right? Just, just put, put it back on. Right? But Peter's going to run recklessly abandonment towards you. And then in a low moment, son, he's going to deny you. He's going to deny that he ever knew you. And as fast and as hard as he ran towards you, he's going to turn and he's going to deny you to a young lady around a campfire. Here's what I need you to do when he denies you. I need you to run towards him. Find him. Restore him because we run after those that run away from us. We pursue those that in low moments make decisions that, that they're frustrated with. God, I need you, son, I need you, I need you to, you hear me? I need you to go after him. Then, son, there will be Judas. You see, you'll be at your last meal, your last dinner with your friends. They'll all be there. They'll be hanging out, having the time of their life. They'll be laughing and, and telling jokes and cutting up, but your heart will be heavy. Because remember, son, you are, you're all God and all man, so you're going to know what's coming. You will know that Judas, the one in the room, one of your friends, will betray you. That betrayal will lead to your suffering and ultimately, son, to your crucifixion and your death. In that moment when he's made such a horrendous betrayal. Son, look at me. And Jesus looks up at his dad. What I want you to do with Judas is I want you to walk over to Judas and I want you to look him in the eye because their decisions of humanity don't dictate our love. Our love is who we are. So even when he does this and he betrays you, I want you to love him. I want you to see him. I want you to love him. I want you to, to kiss him on the cheek and tell him, go ahead and do what you need to do. Confirming that there's nothing he can do that will change the love you have for him. He will go away, son. He will betray you. The anguish will build. Son, again, because... You are simultaneously all God and, and all man. You will know the suffering that is going to come. You will know the pain that your flesh must endure for this special job. I can see Jesus taking a few deep breaths. All right, Dad. You will pull away to a garden, son, and you're going to pray. You're going to pray to me. And in that moment, son... You're going to ask me for another way. Is there any other way, Dad? This is going to hurt. It's agony. It's going to be suffering. Is there, is there any other way? There in the garden, through your tears, son, I will tell you then what I have to tell you now. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. You are their only hope for redemption. There is no other way, son. It has to be a sacrifice, and the sacrifice has to be perfect. You're my only option. 
Jesus, tears filling his eyes, not of pain, of love. Son, you will kneel down in that garden and you will pray and the, the anguish that you are going through will cause your flesh to sweat literal drops of blood and every drop of blood of yours that hits the earth that we created will be a proclamation of your love. Do you understand me, son? Jesus looks back at his dad. Yeah, dad. I'll do it. And when you do, son, I need you to remember just one thing. In the garden, when the anguish is filling your mind, when the pain is going to be so bad and you are sweating blood, I need you just to remember one thing. We're going to do it because we love them. Jesus looks at his dad. says, all right, dad. I'll do the special job for them because we love them. And I can see for a moment, remember it's a story of a dad and a son. And I can see for a moment as the air in heaven is still and, and God the Father shares a look with, with his son. You see, as parents, we would do anything to prevent our kids from harm. We would do anything to, to save them from pain and discomfort and, and discouragement. That's why today we have helicopter parents. Maybe you're one of them helicopter parents. It's all right. We love you. We just don't want them to experience any kind of pain. And there God, the father, the dad, looking at his son going, I have to tell him the rest. I have, I have to tell him. Son, there's, there's more. Because of that betrayal, they will arrest you, son. They will try you and find you guilty unjustly and condemn you to death. Along the way, son, they will bind your hands Son, they're going to they're gonna slap you in and punch you. They're going to, son, they're going to abuse you and torture you, and they're going to take your hands that are tied, and they're going to hold you up to a post like this, son, and, and when you're back, the flesh that we created is exposed, son, they're going to make a whip. And that whip will be made out of leather and, and sharp pieces of bone and, and lead balls. And, and the balls are intended to, to bruise your back and the bone to rip the flesh that we created. And while you're there tied up, they will take that whip, son, and they are going to whip it across your back. And with every whip stroke and every bit of torn flesh and every bruise on that body, I just need you to think about one thing. Though they're doing it to you, you're choosing the suffering so you can stay there for them. You have to know that we love them, son, so they're going to whip your back over and over, son. 39 times they will whip your back 
until the flesh that we created is unrecognizable and is like a piece of meat dripping with blood. Son, as you are tied to that post in agony and suffering and blood is dripping from your back, through the pain, through the tears, through the agony and the suffering, I just need you. Son, I just need you to think of one thing. In that moment, I need you to remember it's that we love them. Jesus taking a big gulp. Looking at his fathers, they just stare silent, look into each other's eyes, both knowing what's being asked and both know the reason. But God the Father says there's more, son. After they've tied your hands and they've arrested you and they have beaten you and flogged you and whipped you and tortured you, they will form a cross out of the wood you would have once worked with as a boy. The cross is the ultimate sign of, of pain and suffering and sacrifice, but son, one day it'll be the ultimate sign of love, hope, and redemption. You see, they will take that wooden cross and they will place it on your back, expecting you to carry your own cross. But as the wood digs in to the torn flesh, every step will be painful. Every step will cause you to gasp for air until you stumble and fall. Son, you're going to be physically unable to carry the cross, so they will get somebody else to take it the rest of the way. And as you walk up the mountain upon which you will die, they will hold your hands out on that cross, thinking it's their strength holding you down. It's not. It's your choice and our love. And while you're on that cross, they will take spikes, son, and they will drive them through your wrist. And with every pound stroke of the hammer, Suffering and agony will soar through your veins. Son, you'll want to pass out to make it stop, but I need, you, I need you to stay there. I need you to see it. I need you to experience it because I need you to know one thing. In that moment, when the spikes are going through your wrist, when the spikes are going through your feet, son, remember this. It's because we love them. God the Father looking at his son, not giving him even a chance to speak, says, son, I'm not done. I need to finish. I need to tell you what's going to happen. Once they've nailed your hands and your feet to the cross, they will raise you up on that cross and shame you. Those that we love will mock you and curse you. They will walk by and spit on you and yell at you, to use our power to save yourself. Son, don't do it. You have to stay in the suffering to be the sacrifice. As you hang there, every breath will be painful. You'll have to raise yourself up on the spikes in your feet to even get air. And every time you breathe out, you will, you will spit blood because your body is dying. They will pierce your side with a spear and out of, out of the wound will flow blood and, and water like a love offering for them. Every drop of blood, every ounce of water that flows out of your body, it is a, 
It is a love offering for them, son. So in the midst of the agony, in the midst of the suffering, when you can't breathe, I only need you to think about one thing. And I see Jesus, the son. He's getting it. He stands up. He goes, Dad, I know. I know, Dad. We love them. Jesus looking into his dad's eyes, wondering, is there anything else? Could there be anything else? Meanwhile, God the Father's looking at his boy. Son, that's not even the worst. Sure, they're going to betray you, arrest you, try you unjustly, commit you to death, crucify you, torture you, drive stakes through your wrists and your feet, hang you on a cross and mock you, but son, I've got to tell you, that's not even the worst. You see on that cross, when you're hanging there and your flesh is in anguish and you are suffering, you will take on their sin and shame. That's what makes you the sacrifice. And while you're there and you're, you're suffering, you will look for them, but they won't be found because they've left you. So at last, son, hanging on that cross, you have taken on their sin and shame. You will throw your head back towards heaven and look for me. But son, you know I can't look on sin. I can't be around it. So for the only time in all of eternity, when you take on their sin and shame, you will look for me and I won't be found because you have made a way for them to find me. So son, when you're there, suffering and alone, I just need you and I see Jesus stand up. I know, Dad, when I'm there, alone, hanging on the cross, absent of, of, of anybody, and I'm looking for you and you are not there, I'll be able to throw my head back and proclaim, it is finished. Because I love them. Jesus looks out of the corner of his eyes at his dad. Dad, is there anything else? Waits for just a moment. And for the first time in a little while, God the Father looks at his son and grins. He says, oh yeah, son, there's just one more thing. Your story can't end there. You see, they're going to take that broken, beaten, and bloody body off of that cross. And they're going to put it in a tomb. But don't worry, son. You're just borrowing the tomb. Three days later, the women are going to be walking to the tomb, and while they walk, something's going to happen. The ground is going to begin to shake, and while the ground shakes, my power is going to come down and roll the stone away because the grave cannot hold you and death cannot keep you, son. You love them. You love them enough to sacrifice yourself for them. You love them enough to suffer in place of them, but you love them enough to rise with their victory in hand. And God the Father looks at him and he says, son, just one thing I need you to remember when you walk out of that grave. It's because you love them. For God so loved 
you that he gave his son. It's not a holiday. It's a father and son choosing to love you and accepting the sacrifice. Don't boil it down and make it religious. It's a relationship. Don't make it corporate. It's personal. For God so loved you. I don't know your story. God so loved me that he sent his son on a special job, a special job to redeem and restore you. So I want to ask you a question. Do you celebrate Easter or do you know the Savior? Oh, sure, we celebrate Easter. We throw a party. We throw an egg hunt with 5,000 eggs. We celebrate Easter. But at the end, I know the Savior. I know the special job he did in which to restore and redeem me. So I want to ask you to do me a favor, not religious. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. This is about you. It's very personal. You may be standing with your family next to your wife or kids or husband. This isn't about that. This is about you. Maybe you've celebrated Easter before. You've been in churches before. You've heard the Easter story before. But today, it's not about celebrating the one day on the calendar. It's about accepting the greatest sacrifice that has ever been. It's the only way to have a real relationship with a real God. I'm not inviting you into a religion. I'm inviting you into a relationship with a real God that loves you so much he sent his son for you. If right now in this room, I promise you, I give you my word, I will not embarrass you. You know right now, you don't have a relationship with God. All I want you to do is raise your hand and look at me just so I can pray with you. That's it. All I want to do is pray with you. Real quick, shoot your hand up. I see your hands. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, come on. Shoot your hand up high, man. I want that relationship with God. Don't, be, don't hesitate. Your heart is pounding. He, is, he has called you today. He says, I sent my son on a special job just for you. Now all I want to do is have the relationship it offers. If you want that relationship, raise your hand real high. Come on. Real high. Just so I know who I'm praying with. Just so I know who I'm praying with. I'm going to ask all of you that raised your hand. Yeah, thank you. All of those that have raised their hands, thank you. And my friends in the room, let's all pray this together. Maybe you're going, I don't know how to pray. Just repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for taking that special mission. Thank you for choosing to love me. Today, I accept you. I accept the sacrifice. I accept the gift. In your name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed today's message, take a second and share it with your friends. Here at Venture, we believe in the power of being connected with a local church body. So whether that's with us at Venture or another local church near you, we encourage you to get plugged in. We hope you have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening to the Venture Church Podcast.